Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. It has been warm weather lately. You just got your Lotus out. I got the Cayman out. I got yes. it off its race ramps. Mm-hmm. Oh, the good tires are not flat spotted. Good news. Mine might have been, but I don't care. My Lotus doesn't weigh much, so it doesn't have, <laughs> have the special non-flat spotted world. It sits lightly, doesn't it? It does. Tires. Big time. But I, but I have a battery tender, thanks to you. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you've just been all about battery tenders. Hey, I, battery tender. Yeah, and one for honestly, it, um, it's awesome. Did it fire right up? It Oh, big time. I'm it's so super happy. I, I drove it over here today. Yeah. I, all of a sudden, I pulled the Lotus out. I'm a new man. <laughs> I know this sounds insane, but I am so excited to talk about cars today because I've driven the Lotus twice That's in two funny. days. It's awesome. My son, you. when I said we were going to go for a drive yesterday, he, he walks out into the garage, and the Lotus obviously hasn't moved since November. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Dad, the hard top's on. And I said, yeah. He goes, we have to take that off. It's like, buddy, it's not that warm. He goes, I think it is. <laughs> so I said, all right, we'll take the top off. If it gets cold, we'll put the soft top on. We took the hard top off, put the soft top on. As soon as we got onto a back road, I was like, let's let's try it. Let's take the soft top off. We drove around in a convertible all day yesterday. That's it awesome. It was awesome. It's that warm, but it's I am weirdly just, warm. I am rejuvenated. I know that sounds crazy because I love cars anyway, but I'm oh. rejuvenated about cars. I love it. Hey, it felt really good just to get in a proper sports car Yes, and be on Real tires uh-huh. driving around on warm roads. I know all of you in the warm climates are laughing at us because of course they are, this yeah. is your life. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah, for sure. it was it was a lot of fun to get the car out and yeah, just go for a drive. It's great. So guys, welcome back. Happy Tuesday. We've got car conclusions. Many of Big you have time, written yeah. to us, and this is great because I'm we're gonna catch up on our recent car conclusions from a lot of you. Some of you who had an episode, some of you who didn't have an episode, and uh, you just kind of went out and took what you're listening to and, and applied it, which is great. And then we've got a really fun car debate. I think it'll be uh, be interesting. It's Dave M. out in Portland, Oregon, who writes to us on behalf of his wife. Yeah. And this is when all those press cars that you and I drive come in handy. Yes. Because we can make recommendations based mm-hmm. specifically on what we've driven. And, and so, therefore, we really feel like we can make a totally good agree. recommendation here. Totally agree. We've got the first car conclusion from Ben J, episode 444, way back in November 19, 2019. It's because we're almost to 600 podcasts. That's why that was so long ago. That feels like, oh, that was not that long ago, in the <laughs> mid-400s. It, it feels It was a while. Way, yeah. yeah. Well, Ben had a 1984 Volkswagen Jetta, was looking to replace it. He was a bit desperate at the time and needed something quick, since the heat didn't work in his 97 Mazda B2300. <laughs> And winter was a fast Winter's approaching. Coming. Winter, winter is coming, yes. He said he wanted to keep his 2017 BMW M2 out of the horrifying work parking lots in snow. So here's what we suggested. A bunch of good options. A CRX, a Prelude, a Talon and an Eclipse. Did we really? A Gallant, <laughs> an SC300, 240SX, and a Nissan 300ZX. Ben looked around, couldn't find any of them within 750 miles in good okay. shape for a reasonable right. price. So we did the most logical thing he could do and went out and bought a 2000 Nissan Xterra SE with four-wheel drive and a five-speed manual. He says it made a ton of sense when he bought it for 3500 bucks. 3500 bucks. It's not bad. That seems like a find. Except. And then it all goes wrong. He says, but boy, was that a horrible decision. He says it was fine for a bit, but it became very clear it was a box on wheels. <laughs> Looked like a box. Guzzled gas like a box. I didn't know boxes guzzled gas. They, this one does. 
It was a tall box. His 80-pound dog couldn't actually jump into the back seat, so he always had to lift his 80-pound wow, dog. Wow, that's unfun. Yeah. Didn't have much space and was just not good to drive. And so he started looking shortly thereafter after he sent in his car conclusion, but was unwilling to pull the trigger because it just kept running. The box <laughs> ran. I'll replace this terrible thing when it dies, and then it proceeds to not die. Yeah. <laughs> ben is out in Wichita, Kansas, and it's at one point he says they got down to minus 15 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. That's officially fairly, cold. That's fairly yeah. cold. Ben, the, the coldest I have felt is when I was at my dad's cabin in Alaska. It was negative 37 one day. Mm. And I was told that it, it you don't feel the colder every 10 degrees, negative 10, you know, okay. you feel your skin just freezes faster. You, you can't actually feel it. So get your butt indoors. It's just stay inside day. Yeah. Dress for the weather or get your butt indoors. So he says, well, the locking diffs made snow a joke. It was in its element, which was the good thing. But then oil spots appeared. The rear main oil seal gave up. Apparently, that extreme cold made, extreme made the cold. rubber pieces go, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. Sure. This is farther than I can than tolerate. He says it wasn't worth him to fix to you know any of this stuff. Seven hours of labor plus parts, all that kind of thing. Yeah, so, for a $3,500 Xterra he already doesn't like, right. it's time to move on. Right. He took this opportunity to go shopping with a $12,000 budget. He really wanted a four-door sedan, something comfy. He says okay. something like a highway bomber. The M2 isn't great on the highway, he says, and he's a stickler for nice interiors. He was looking for an Audi S4 with that 4.2-liter V8. Okay. Loved the sound and the looks, but he couldn't find one nearby. And then the car came across his radar. It was a 2011 Acura TL, super-handling all-wheel drive with a six-speed manual in town. Hmm. He says, yes, I know you guys hate that massive shield. We always joke it needs rhinoplasty. Yes, for sure it does. He doesn't like it either, but when you get it in brown, somehow it works? That's some... <laughs> His description is, it's so uh, ugly, it's cool. That's the weirdest <laughs> sentence I've ever read, Ben. But it is but it is a six-speed manual Acura TL, which I'm... Really, that seems like a unicorn. I'm impressed you found that. Especially in brown. You got yes. it in brown. It works in brown. <laughs> I don't think any car really works in brown, but okay. Nutmeg? Right. Hazelnut? No. Cocoa? All bad. Porsche had a brown. It was ugly, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to justify it. But you know what? All right, 172,000 miles with a new engine in it. He says it's about 80,000. He drove it, loved it, traded in the Xterra, and completed the deal all for under $10,000 out of pocket. That's excellent. He absolutely loves it. It's fast. It's comfortable. And he says they weren't kidding when they called it super handling. It, See? It is It's impressive. not just a marketing thing it, on the back of the car. And I thought for, when I first started driving those that it was, the super handling all-wheel drive is genuinely very good. Well, I had a friend ask me one time, is turbo just a marketing term? Turns out he's right. But, yeah. You know, that was <laughs> In this case, yes. Oh, other issue. So he says he likes it a lot. He's not sure he needs the M2 anymore. Whoa. That's another strange sentence. He says, what do I need an M2 for? He lives in Kansas. Okay. All right. Well, racetracks, autocrossing, the occasional high-speed. Apparently, you know, Ben has an M2 for sale. So if you're an M2? <laughs> you'd like an M2 that's barely driven out of Kansas, <laughs> now is your time. What are you saving for? Something Hellcatted, Ben? I, you know, Probably. Kansas? Yeah. Just saying. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. 
I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Devin wrote to us. He has a really cool car conclusion, and I say it's really cool because of what he bought. I'm pretty excited about this. He went and found a 2018 Alfa Romeo Blue Julia TI Sport rear-wheel drive with 13,000 miles. It does have the Sport package. It has the adaptive suspension, the limited slip differential. Well bought, Devin. searched for a while. He found that specific one, and I have to say I'm jealous. That sounds awesome. (laughs) He's obsessed with the car, he says. Every chance he gets, he puts it into dynamic mode. You should put a piece of tape over the button just like break it off or something. Every car should remember settings. Sorry, side rant. Every car should remember your settings. Mercedes is starting to. Have you noticed? If if you've got, you know, Mercedes 45 versions of Eco and Sport and Super Sport and I'd like my steering this way and that way, I know some cars do, but every car should. I agree. Mercedes is starting to do this. When you get in, the screen asks you, do you want to go back mm-hmm. to where you were? Mm-hmm. The answer should always be yes. Yeah, they really shouldn't have to ask. I'll go with you another one. Look, we've got all of these cars that now have memory seats. Many cars. I mean, this was cutting edge when, it, when the Phaeton came out. But it's pretty common now. You have memory seats. CD player. And the memory seat is connected to your key. And you have driver memory settings. Okay? That should just stick. If I had it in Sporty Sport Plus, Sporty Sport 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 Mode, it should go back to that. I don't know how many sports that is. But my point is, it should not default back to Eco because I started it again. Indeed. Well, Devin used to drive an 05 Honda Civic for many years. It's been revelatory to drive a rear-wheel drive sports sedan. I love that. He's falling in love with driving again, and he says he's got us and the rest of the crazy car community to thank. I'm Devin, glad. thrilled to hear that. Hopefully, we can do a local meetup in Salt Lake City this year. He would love to bring the Julia and experience out on track. We're not sure yet, but I will just briefly tease a potential 2021 meetup that we're looking into mm-hmm. dates time location all tbd we're not going to say anything at this point yeah, yeah. but we definitely are looking into that because there we will be see you guys. some sort of utah meetup we're going to try for one elsewhere in the country as well we are we are working on that right now yeah and i'm glad to see it's getting detail in love with griot's products that's very cool it's a gorgeous color thanks for sending the photo devin Jason from episode 423. Again, that feels like a, that was a long time ago. It doesn't seem like it should be. back, episode 423. Yeah, in the 400s. Anyway, he's back with a uh, car conclusion. He was sob shopping when he rode in in the summer of 2019, and he was looking to replace. By the way, my brother-in-law uh-huh. is always sob shopping. Yes, he is. I didn't tell you this, but he sent me a photo last night. Oh, no. He has been wondering where all the oil and coolant has been. Where did it all go? It's been soaked up by old towels and some snails. And some snails? Some snails. Okay. So my sister made the joke that he's driving a 900S cargo. Oh, yeah. God. It gets... Okay. It doesn't get any worse than that. Did, uh, does he have towels underneath the saw, but he just doesn't notice that they're soaking he, up he fluids? He went digging under the carpets and found snails and old towels that were soaking up all the leaks, apparently. So okay. this is what happens when you buy a 1988 Saab 900 convertible Turbo S. And he just wants to buy another one. I, I, yeah. I wish he'd buy something else fun and discover that it's not he just Saabs that are fun. But he's discovered it. The big thing is the Saab community. 
community. I know. It's not know. just the car. But there Apparently, are other car communities out there, built. too. Yeah. I agree. I think they're all like this. Every car community yeah. has its great people. <laughs> and some bad people. That's he's every just, car community. Yes. Yeah. But he's discovered sobs. Uh-huh. And he sends me Facebook links to like, here's another, a newer one for five grand. I'm like, I get Stop. it. Stop. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. That is funny. And he loves it. The sob community apparently is global. So he's getting people from the Netherlands and everybody That's chiming hysterical. in. Soon as he has an issue, he sends it out there on the. It's so funny. So, it's endless. so Jason is was sob shopping. He was looking to replace his uh, Saab nine three Arrow wagon, and uh, we recommended the V sixty Volvo Polestar. Pretty cool in that blue, especially. Yeah. Bit out of his budget. Ended up getting a twenty sixteen certified pre owned BMW three twenty eight XI wagon, fully loaded, ten thousand miles. He's loved it. That sounds like a find, man. Hasn't had a single mechanical issue over the last year and a half. Jack of all trades. The problem is it's master of none. Mm. It does the job well, but it isn't a standout. Well, it's a wagon. I mean, step one, it's BMW and it's a wagon. Yes, so that's, that, cool. that's a good start for sure. But I actually think if it wasn't an XI, he'd like it more. That's probably. Yeah, yeah, it probably deadens things up. But Jason has lived in Denver for the last year, has been doing tons of mountain driving. He doesn't think the BMW is the right car for him. At this time in his life, he says it's nice, but it's almost too nice. Mm. After some rock chips, a cracked windshield. Colorado's notorious for cracked windshields. Yes. Paint scuffs due to car washes. What do you mean paint scuffs due to car It's a thing that, what, that what normal non-washing-your-driveway people do. It's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I understand. And one too many roads. He's had to worry about ground clearance, i.e. he's bottomed out multiple times. Yes, he has. He thinks Ooh, it's time to look expensive. elsewhere. Yeah. He, travel, he travels the mountains almost every weekend of the year, whether it's skiing, biking, camping, or hiking. And he says the BMW has done its job. It's been really great to own. Now, he's not a truck guy, but the idea of a truck gets him pretty excited. 8% of me gets excited by trucks. Yes. I might be at 20% if it's a Ram TRX. I'm just saying. that's that's. <laughs> They're I, awesome. I'm needlessly intrigued by that truck. I have no use for it whatsoever. But the things it can do. Yes, is the astounding. things it can do. I don't need to do either, but you know what? Let's try that. I took a friend for a ride, and he, he accused me of being a terrible driver. I just like... You've never experienced a Hellcat. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone in a Hellcat is a terrible driver just because we're trying to dominate the road. Discarding things in fear, whipping it out the window. All right. Well, Jason says, no more worrying about ground clearance when you have a truck and your Mm -hmm. hiking and camping game is elevated. Sure, sure. Just imagining being able to drive down rough dirt roads and hard to reach areas is intriguing. Now, when I was this far into this email... I thought of the car he needs to get. Okay. What I like, though, a is Ram that, TRX. No. What I like, though, is that Jason walks his way there. This is what I feel like what we do is working. <laughs> Honestly. Indeed. Keep going. Well, he says he thinks about owning a truck as a new experience. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's a fair statement. He's not a classic truck guy at heart. He's a wagon guy at heart. But he's intrigued by the idea of owning a truck in Colorado and the places he could go with it. Mm-hmm. Something rugged, something tough, and less nice. So he says, since its release in 2006, he's always had this weird intrigue in the Honda Ridgeline. Ding, ding, ding. There it is. He says, I know, I know, not really a truck. But? He says, it's about as much truck as he needs because he doesn't plan on towing. He can get a fairly used one from about 07 to 2010, sell the BMW, pocket some cash, maybe for some upgrades, or maybe to save for a house. He's looked at older Tacomas and Forerunners and FJs, Cruisers, but all are way overpriced used. They, uh, they are, they've hanged on to value like crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts. 
Xterra Frontiers aren't terrible, except when you pay $3,500 for one. Yeah, the one we just heard about was not. Yeah, it was terrible. He says, but he wouldn't be thrilled owning a Nissan. What do you have against Nissans? They're great. Well, just kind of depends. <laughs> depends on the Nissan. Yeah, says, what era? <laughs> what era? Wranglers aren't terrible either, he says. They're a dime a dozen in Colorado, of course, as are American trucks. He likes unique and quirky cars. Hey, guess what? Honda Ridgeline. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I'm not really sure why this. this you've, you've, the thing I love about this is you've answered your own question. I, I think that's I amazing. Too. I think it's fantastic, especially the new 2021. They've made it more mm, ruggedized. They have ruggedized it. They've made it angrier. the front end it should have had from the beginning instead of the very soft front end from the Honda current Honda Pilot. But if you get a first gen, I think the first gen have grown into their looks. I, do I didn't too. like them initially, but the first gen now looks better than the second gen. And you're right. You can get them crazy cheap, Jason. And I'll tell you something else I've seen. Yeah. I've seen a couple around here, first gen Ridgelines with a little bit of a lift and bigger wheels on it. And I have to be honest, like that, they look great. They've actually aged really well. They have. You know, the other reason they've aged well is because they look like the Cybertruck. Everybody's slobbering over the Cybertruck uh-huh. as if it's this new thing. Have you seen first? the first-gen Ridgeline? Yeah. That's why Honda got eviscerated for not having a proper break between the cab and the bed. It wasn't a real truck. Uh-huh. And then there's the Cybertruck. He thinks differently. No, Ridgeline did it first. <laughs> first generation a, over a decade ago. Jason, buy a Ridgeline. I think, I think it's perfect for you. I was literally halfway through your email and was like, he needs a Ridgeline. And then you went there, which is get great. The, get the 2021. It's It's... Angrier. Derek M. writes to us from Manhattan. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast up to now, that's the guy whose BMW M3 was stolen. Was stolen out of a parking garage. They took the carbon fiber bits. The story got weirder the further it went on. And I hate to say this, Derek, but you've written in with more weirdness. A piece of good news, and that is our friends at Griot's Garage very kindly replaced the stuff that was stolen, the Griot's products that were stolen. Yes, it was very cool. Huge Hugely appreciative, and Derek loved getting that. But Derek says he's had the car repaired. Mm -hmm. The stolen carbon fiber bits were replaced. But he's got some bad news. Last week, while he was driving in Manhattan, somebody blew a stop sign and T-boned the passenger side of the car. Oh, my gosh. His kids were in the back seats, too. Which is even worse. He says... He's very thankful nobody was hurt, Mm -hmm. although his nine-year-old daughter immediately screamed and cursed, which he realized was directed at the offender. She is that passionate about the car. (laughs) She was angry at the driver that hit them because they wrecked the car. I love your car girl daughter. That is so cool. (laughs) That is great. He says, as a car lover, this string of unfortunate events has him questioning his existence in New York City. (laughs) He says, if NYC is the worst place to be a car enthusiast, where is the best place and why? Mm. Thinks this would be a fun topic for the podcast, although that would be the, you know, great taste, less filling. No, my team, your team, my team, Everybody thinks that they have the perfect place. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So we we could, but we'll say maybe. You stick with your football team, even if they're losing and they're (laughs) last place in the NFL. You stick with your team. But he is, but he is, speaking of sticking with the team, he feels pretty confident that New York City might have the worst combination (laughs) of stuff for people that want to drive for fun. And I, Mm. I think it could be argued, Derek, I'm going to say to you that I think, uh, great weather and nice roads is what you want that are low traffic roads. This is one of the reasons that California has been a great destination for car enthusiasts forever because year-round great weather and wonderful roads and the weird squiggle high in the mountains happens to still be paved. The problem is, having lived there, 
Now you're paying the sunshine tax, as you've coined it, Paul, mm. to live in Southern California, and there's a lot of people that traffic there. You have yeah. to go outside of most of the cities you want to live in or can live and work in to find these great roads when they don't have traffic. Otherwise, they're great roads with everyone you've ever heard of is there. True. That's the downside True. there. We love living here in Utah, Park City area, Salt Lake. Lots of great roads, but of course, they're snowed in four months out of the year. That is the the grand trade-off. And there's something you could say probably about every state and province in Canada and the U.S. and Mexico and everybody could say all over the world. Yeah, I've got, you know, this driving road. And when the weather's good, it's glorious. Well, of course. But as far as consistency, you're right. I think Arizona could be up there. Washington has some great stuff when it's not raining. That's the problem. See, weather is the great unknown variable here. Heard about great stuff in the East Coast, the Midwest. There's there's lots of places and pockets. But, you know, Derek says, when you've got it all, like reckless drivers and aggressive drivers and massive potholes and damaging (laughs) rock salt, endless construction, crawling traffic, hidden violation cameras, wild cyclists, paint-eating pigeon poop, he says, I commute by subway and I use the car on weekends. That's amazing. All right. Well, New York City is out, apparently. Ryan L. is in Leander, Texas. Mm-hmm. He doesn't write with any particular episode in mind. He's been a big fan of the show. Ryan, thank you, thank you so much for writing. He says he has someone who, to put it mildly, has been absolutely obsessed with cars for their entire life. He <laughs> says we're talking Rain Man levels of information retention here. <laughs> so, so this impressive. Be, that Ryan is the guy that ra- walks up to me at a Cars and Coffee and asks me about engine codes, and I just look at him and glaze over, like I don't know where you went. Blank, blank. I, I there, there's there's letters and numbers there that belongs to somebody. Ryan has always had a pretty solid idea of what he wanted when it came time to shop for something new. He's also had somewhere close to 50 cars since he's been driving. He's almost always worked in the automotive field one way or another. He's currently the GM of a collision shop in the Austin area. Okay, cool. His automotive history has been including, if you know, all over the place, he says, 11 Saabs, including a Vigan. 11 Saabs. I feel 11. like our Saab listeners have come out of the woodwork in the last few weeks. Yes. And they're like, I have Saabs, <laughs> which is fine. They're all here with Saab stories. It's good. Oh, oh, geez. A handful of BMWs, he says. He says there was a 540i manual with the M Sport package. That's cool. He had an E36 M3 four-door. Bunch of Fords, an 85 911. Why do you not still have that 85 911? He, there were a lot of other cars to own, apparently. Yeah. A couple of Land Rovers. For a short time in 1987, Plymouth Voyager. Ooh. He says it was called the VOF, the Van of Fury. The Van of Fury. <laughs> he says he's asking us to choose a car for him. Because he's, you know, he's here saying he's, we're pushing him in the right direction. Back in 2017, he got a huge promotion and the pay that comes with it. That's good right. when they add a zero to the end of your paycheck. It's excellent. When Here's you a new title. Actually, we're paying you the same. Yay. That, that's more common. I'm glad you actually got the promotion with the pay, pay bump. That's excellent. So he did what any sensible car freak would do. He mm-hmm. decided to buy the car he wanted but didn't previously have the funds for. A brand new Mustang GT Premium with the Performance Pack. Okay. Black on black with a factory black wheels. He loved the car, babied it, did some low-key modifications. Life was good until he remembered <laughs> that he's also a professional bass player what, part-time. What I want to know is what was the time frame here, Ryan, between my world is awesome, I bought this car, it's great. How long until you went, by the way, I play an instrument? Yeah, but a bass will fit in a Mustang. You no would problem. think. I, just I mean, think we're talking funny bass, that there was the, uh-oh, in this. I think that's wonderful. Well, he says there's few cars less practical for hauling gear than a Mustang. It's There uh, are a few. They exist. I've owned a few of them, actually. But yes, I take your point. 
he he's dealt with this impracticality for as long as possible, stealing his wife's 2018 Edge Sport whenever possible, but eventually okay. he came to the realization that he needed to figure out a permanent solution. He wanted something that was fast, handled, had great brakes, real cargo capacity. Okay. SUVs and CUVs were not a consideration. He wanted tech and all the creature comforts he was used to in his GT Premium. So he says, where does that leave me? In the real world, not much. Porsche Panameras sounded ideal. They're too expensive and too ugly. What? Hey, the, the, what? the early ones are ugly. I will back up ugly. The best thing about them is you can sit it's, in them and not see far. the outside. Ugly. It's not too far. I the beholder. He didn't want to take his chances on a Jag wagon, the Jag wag, and he was done with Mercedes for various reasons. So back to the usual suspects like Audi S5s, BMW 430s, Charger scat packs. And this is the interesting thing about why he wrote us. Because here's a guy, as he's already said, he knows cars. He can talk cars. He can blow people over with his car knowledge. It is because of this podcast, and thank you for listening, by the way. Because of this podcast, Ryan looked at a car he would have never considered, and mm-hmm. that was the Kia Stinger. He says this one fit all of his criteria. Wasn't even on his radar. And then all things changed right around the time he saw an episode where this thing walked all over the BMW. Yeah. He was looking at the four, the, the 340i, I guess, was the, the, the Grand Coupe. Uh, the, Grand, the Grand Coupe Grand 430, Coupe. that's yeah. right. That yep. was It was with that one, and he watched them together and went, huh, I well, should look at the Stinger. He's heard our constant Stinger recommendations. Yes. By the way, the next generation is coming out already, which is... I'm they are doing a next gen? Yeah. yeah I exciting. thought they were killing it, but all right, that's no, good. Oh, that's very exciting. He says... You know, he heard our frequent recommendations, the great things we were saying about it. So he says, all right, what do I have to lose? He went to the dealer in his beloved black Mustang. Wow. What did they say when you pulled up in that, Ryan? What <laughs> that is a great one. I have a Mustang you GT. Walk in. I'd like to drive the Kia Stinger, please. And they said what? That's good. I like it. I'm curious. He went on a spirited test drive. Hopefully you left the salesperson and, you know, flustered. Hanging on for dear life. <laughs> And he left with a 2020 Stinger GT2 rear-wheel drive. Very cool. I bet the rear-wheel drive is even more fun than the one we had, which was all-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah I bet that front end a little bit lighter. He says the Stinger is 10 times the car the Mustang is. That fascinates me. Angering Mustang owners everywhere. That I can already hear Ooh. typing. Those drums in the distance, that's actually heavy <laughs> typing. But, but I find it fascinating also because Ryan's writing this saying, if you follow along with the story, the Mustang was a car he always wanted and he had. And he finally went and bought it. Yeah. And now he's found the Stinger and likes it so much more. This is the great thing about discovery in cars that just thrills me. <laughs> he says it's more refined, more comfortable, has a better ride, better tech. The eight-speed auto shifts almost like a dual clutch. We'll agree with you there. That's, that's just programming. Better chassis, better, st- better steering feel, way better stereo. He says it's faster in the rear world. It's way more stable at high speeds. And it feels lighter than the Mustang, despite weighing more. So what you're saying, Ryan, what? is you like it? Is it what you, I, I kind of get the sense you like your Stinger. I'm thrilled. Maybe a little bit. Send photos, Ryan. I'm really curious. May, the main thing is I just want to know what the sales team, because surely, <laughs> well, not surely, they all saw you coming. They did, yes. They know who walks into their dealership. They've paid attention, yes. And they all communicate and they, you know, they... I want to know what was said. I want to know. <laughs> Do you the even first know? person that approached you? Did they say nice Mustang? <laughs> How can That's we good. help? <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. <laughs> what did they say? 
You've heard of car sharing, where you can actually rent someone else's personal car. Well, DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. It's because you're connecting owners who love their cars with renters who want to have a new experience. DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. That way, renters can find cars that bring out the awesome in every moment, while owners earn extra cash to fund their passion. To sign up, cruise on over to DriveShare.com or download the app for iOS or Android. That's DriveShare.com. Dave is writing to us from Portland. He, he starts this email off almost apologetic, and I don't really understand why. He says he's got a boring car debate because he's got a car debate for his wife. Now, Dave, I'm going to stop right here because did you hear the Valentine's episode when I brought my wife on and the entire purpose was just to answer those that tolerate us as car people, answer their questions about why we're so crazy for cars? I love the fact that you're writing in on behalf of your wife. Let's find your wife a new something she loves. That's absolutely part of the reason we're here. That's fantastic. Well, he says his loving wife, who always supports his crazy, crazy motorcycle buying habit. You have two habits, Dave? Wow. Really does not enjoy her 2019 Ford Edge. To be honest, he thinks she hates it, but she won't come out and say it. Now, I have to interject here because you've probably heard me tell this story before, but now that you've heard my wife on the podcast, you can probably envision it even better. This happened to me, Dave. We had a GMC Acadia we bought right before my son was born. We got a great deal on it when GM was like, please buy our stuff, 0% financing. Right. It's, right. Our our Yukon was a, a cash-for-clunker car. It had 200 and almost 60,000 miles on it, 260,000. I mean, lots. It was old. We had it a long time. But my wife loved that car. We got her an Acadia. She never connected with it. Being the idiot that I am, I just walked in wide-eyed and said, hit me into this conversation one day when she said, you know that show you do about helping people find cars they like? And I said, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Why? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about this. She said, I hate my car. Wow. So, of course, at this point, I'm re- realizing that I'm quite stuck because what are we going to do? Jeez. No, you need to tolerate your car. No, I don't. That's not what we talk about. We talk what? about love your car. She what, came in and said, you say? I hate this. What I went, did you say? Oh, um, so you're telling me we're going car shopping. She said, I think we are. But the, but the twist Ooh. is she had a list in her mind already. I brought a couple others, one of them being the Porsche Cayenne, and she loved the Cayenne. So I, I, I still kind of redeemed myself because I brought the wild card. But, Dave, <laughs> I've been here, man. If your wife doesn't like her car, we have to solve this. Yeah, indeed. And to be honest, Dave, there's other people listening who have a similar predicament as you. Yes. You're not alone. Totally agree. And, and hi to your wife, by the way, who I'm sure is now listening. Indeed. Well, she's got a 60-mile round-trip daily commute that includes heading over a low mountain pass in Portland, near Portland, Oregon. They can get snow on rare days, okay. but on either sides of the pass, they've got pretty straight highways. So they're just west of Portland. They get rain, ice, and the occasional two inches of snow that cripples the local drivers in the winter. He says, coming from Maine, he knows the answer to the crippling snow problem. <laughs> it's called snowplows. Ideally, yes. Also winter tires, but yes. Yes. But he, see, he says there seems to be only one plow in the greater Portland area. Okay. In the past, they owned a two-door Mini Cooper S manual, but sold it because she did not like all the shifting when stuck in traffic. Of course. That, that is an issue for sure. Yeah. He says some days seem to ha- this happens more than necessary. And they came close to buying a Mini S convertible with the JCW exhaust but then decided a third car was an extra- extravagance they didn't need. How about a fourth car, Dave? How's that sound? Let's just, let's just start adding cars. How fourth many motorcycles car, do you have? You haven't said, yeah, what, what, yeah all, how many all bikes the do you have? Yeah, who knows? After the Mini came a BMW 2 Series X-Drive that was fun, but she didn't like being so low to the ground. Okay. Big trucks frequent her commute route can be intimidating. Definitely understand. Her edge is okay, but she's piling on the miles, and she should have something she enjoys driving. Agreed. 
you've written to the right place. They've looked at the Audi Q5, the Ford Escape Hybrid, the Toyota Venza Hybrid. That's the new the one. New yeah. one yeah. And a Honda CRV Hybrid. I'm sorry you had to drive the CRV Hybrid. Paul is not a fan of that. In case I you haven't heard. I hate yet. that thing. They also test drove a Camry Hybrid, but it was too low to the ground. So we, we're headed towards CUV land here, very, very clearly. Yeah. Got that idea. They're trying to be responsible with a hybrid, save some gas, and the Venza was the nicest of the hybrids, but not inspiring. He says, well, it was boring. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay. The Q5 she really liked, but the expensive maintenance and repair alarm went off with it being European. But of the recent vehicles that they've had or test-driven, the Euro cars were her favorite. She's even talking about a Volvo. Mm, okay. It's exciting. All right. They're hoping to be responsible adults. Continue hoping. <laughs> not on this podcast, <laughs> <Yeah>. you're not. <laughs> there Just, are no, no responsible adults listening to this I, podcast. I wish you good hope. Yeah. They, they don't want to buy cars every few years, so they're thinking about longevity of the vehicle. This okay. is an important sentence here. Yeah, it is for sure. Their budget is around forty to $45,000, but they bought that Edge, even though they've owned it over a little over a year, the trade-in value seems to be nothing and plummeting. Ooh. Ooh, They're five dollars to $8,000 upside down right now. Oh, man. So they got to factor that in. He's okay with buying used or CPO, but better miles per gallon would be awesome. She likes that midsize SUV, CUV segment, and she likes being higher up is what she says. They are both in high-stress, first-responder jobs, so he wants to get her something she can get lost in mm. on her drive home. Just relax. Okay. All right. Her Mini and BMW gave her that feeling, but it had other drawbacks, of course, along with that. Is he looking for a unicorn? Hmm. Dave, I've got many ideas for you. And as I said at the top of the podcast, we've driven enough cars and enough new cars now that... I think there's something in there that you will like. As a matter of fact, I think I have the car really? for her okay. specifically. But there's many options in this SUV, CUV land. And as you know, Europeans love wagons. Mm -hmm. We love wagons. Wagons are cool. They are. They're very useful. Yeah, for sure. But if a Camry hybrid is too low to the ground, mm -hmm. any wild card sports car that we suggest, anything is going to be right It's out. all out, for sure. Yeah. All of that stuff. Yeah. I love that you suggested Volvo. XC40s come to mind. They're delightful. Mm -hmm. The interface is relaxing. Yeah, yeah. It's the, and the seats are relaxing. Yeah. The seats are great, but it's not intimidating. It's, I agree with that. It's yeah. just not an intimidating car to drive. You can just get lost in it, which mm -hmm. I, I, I like that for her. The Mazda CX-5 Turbo is certainly on the list. At your budget, it cannot be ignored. I have both of those on They're, my list. CX-5 and Volvo XC40 Do both you? should be considered. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I was looking over here at Acura. The RDX starts at $38,000, the new one. Mm -hmm. It's one that consistently comes up in the, oh, yeah, I forgot about this yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Funny. I have that one on my list, Do too. You? you and I are perfectly aligned so far. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Acura RDX, is, that is honestly, that is can't ignore that 75 80% of a Porsche Macan yeah. that yeah. nobody drives, has lots of power, nobody sees coming, and it'll just run. I like the Porsche Macan, but not enough in this they're too expensive for what they're looking for unless they get new. And, and my, but, but see, the reason it's not on the list, the reason RDX is on the list yeah. and not a Macan is because she needs the nice place to be. It does that all day long, and they want something that they know is going to be cheap to run and maintain, and I feel that much more strongly about the RDX than I do the Macan. Absolutely. We recently drove the Kia Sorento Hybrid, the brand new one. Thought about it. There's a test drive video that mm -hmm. just got released, Dave. You can check that out. 
it's only interesting because it's the hybrid and it's not the full-on Telluride mm. or Palisade or something like that. Sure. There maybe. I want something more for you, though. And that something is the 2021 Toyota RAV4 Prime. Ooh, that's, that's pushing their budget a bit, but it is excellent. I want that for you because it's different than the hybrid. The regular RAV4 hybrid according to Toyota's website, gets 40 miles per gallon combined. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good, especially for an SUV. And we liked the RAV4 hybrid. Yeah. It's great. But this Toyota RAV4 Prime is a plug-in hybrid with 42 miles, it says, of course, depending on temperature and weather and conditions and hills and blah. There's an asterisk at the bottom. It it all depends. But Toyota's website says 42 miles of electric vehicle only range Mm -hmm. on a full charge. So theoretically, if you wanted to, you could drive it to work. She's got a 60 mile round trip commute. Okay. So she's, you know, charges up. I see where you're going. She could get there, plug it in for the day, and drive home and never touch the gas. I agree. Never burn any gas, theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. Again, in theory. Then there's the theory, ocean of yes. reality, there, which uh, is yeah, different. There's an asterisk, and then yes. they do the double asterisk, and they do like the, the check mark with the asterisk. There's, exactly. there's like 14 of those at the bottom. The RAV4 is no longer cutesy and goofy and weird and squirrely, and it's impressive. Mm. We like how it drives. We like it because it fits the needs of so many people. And when you get in a vehicle and think, well, this is great. I like this. Mm-hmm. I, this is mm-hmm. drives nicely, drives well, seems to fit the budget, fit what people yeah, are looking yeah. for. It seems relevant for its time. I agree. And so, yeah, they're more expensive, but you're talking about longevity over here. Remember that mm-hmm. sentence you're talking about? We want yeah. to have for a long time. Yeah. I feel like that is a truck you can have for a long time. It's going to do the off-road things. It's going to do the long-distance commute. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, you're not on electric power anymore. Great. But I'm wondering about that. And if you're curious about warranties these days on hybrids, mm. I feel like Toyota's is pretty huge. Well, and they have the longest history of making hybrids of anybody. They do. You've got to look into their battery warranty. Depending on the vehicle, it can be 10 years and 150,000 miles. That's excellent. The Sienna was that way. Mm-hmm. I believe the Venza is that way, and I believe the Prime is the same. I'm not looking at the website currently, but mm-hmm. so don't quote me, but they're... Every time we look and we think, well, it's a hybrid, no, the battery, no, you don't want that. No, wait, hang on. Yeah. The warranty changes your perception, mm-hmm. which is the reason for buying a new vehicle. It's that It's that blanket. It's that comfort. It's milk and cookies. The just it's in that, case. Yeah, for sure. Ah, well, I've got that covered just in case, yeah. as you said. Yeah. So I think it's a strong contender here for you. It can do the off-road thing. Mm-hmm. Just the light trail, maybe a little bit of granola. <laughs> Just a little bit <laughs> crunchy. Yeah. But otherwise, that's the SUV. It's going to sit up high like she likes. Mm-hmm. It's going to have great passenger space. You, you get in, you op- start opening cubbies, and you look around, and you think, oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. I like yeah. the IP. Well, I like the tech. That mm-hmm. looks good to my eye. I think I think we could live with this for a long time kind of feeling. Yeah. That's when you start to pay attention. Great ones there. A lot of them I align with, Dave. I have a couple others I want to throw out for you and your wife. Uh, first off, if we're going to talk about electric vehicles at all, I have to bring up two, neither of which we've driven yet, both of which we're driving on, a, on an upcoming episode of television. Oh, going Look at the Mustang Mach-E okay. and look at the Tesla Model Y. Okay. Because I think the Tesla Model Y is the obvious one to at least glance out here. I, I'll be honest. I like the Y the least of the Tesla lineup, but you need a small five-seat CUV. That's the Tesla Model Y. 
Yeah. There you go. There, there it is right there. I, my, I'm a mixed bag on this car for your wife for a couple of reasons. First off, I think it checks all the boxes. Teslas, because they are electric, are very quiet, and that can be relaxing. Mm. I don't think the interiors are nice enough. I just don't think they are. Tesla has done a good job of selling, oh, but but sparse is luxurious. It's not, by the way. It's cold is what it is, and their seats aren't that good. Now, the tech is awesome. The tech is awesome. Okay? <laughs> Here's a bunch of concrete and a cool breeze. Yes. Don't you feel it's it's sparse? Don't you feel like it's luxurious? It's not luxurious. So you like know. A so clinical I, hospital. I think a lot of I think a lot of other interiors are more inviting, but the Tesla is so it's it has so much forethought in the way it interacts with you. Yeah. With technology that that can be inviting. I don't think it's the interior itself. I think it's the technology and the way you interact with it that makes sure. the car inviting. Okay. So I'm not sure how your wife's going to respond to that, okay. but I got to put it out there. We haven't driven the Mach-E yet. We're looking forward to driving that as well. I have one other one that hasn't come up, I don't think, ever on the podcast, but I was just thinking about it, and I thought, I, I think this might be the right car for your wife. Okay. It's going to run forever. It's going to be a nice place to be. It's going to get decent gas mileage. It's not a hybrid, so that's the downside, but we've listed some others. The Lexus NX, N as in Nancy, NX. This is below the RX, which makes it cheaper. Huh. It has better styling than the RX. You're right. It is still a five-seat SUV. You're going to get one that's going to be right around forty grand. That Lexus is going to run forever. It's going to ask nothing of you as an owner. They have very nice interiors. It'll drive itself to the dealer for almost, an change. Almost. Well, or they'll come to you, one of the two. Right. Excellent interiors. It's just a nice, inviting, I'm not asking anything of you as the driver place to be. Huh. So the Lexus NX is an option. So we've had a lot of good SUVs here. I hope one of them is the answer. We're kind of all over the map. But there's the great thing is you guys have a good budget and a lot of options. So hopefully something here works. Jumping into questions here from Facebook, Damon D was sitting in his car next to the gym parking lot the other day, had a guy in a 10 to 12 year old Tahoe pull into the spot next to him. He notices he has a directional tire on the front right pointed the wrong direction. It's spinning the wrong way. That's bad news. The question is, does he have any moral obligation to tell the guy? He also thinks the rear wheel was a mismatched tire, but you know, let's focus on the directional tire. <laughs> One thing at a time. The tire that's going to wear itself to cords any minute because it's going the wrong way. I, this this may be the, the well. Sorry, go on. I, I have a thought here, but I'm very curious where you went on it. I I don't think there's necessarily an obligation because that person could say so. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Th- thanks. You know. Yeah. Whatever. 10 to 12-year-old Tahoe. Uh, unsure. Somebody could really care. Somebody could really not care. I What I suspect in this situation is that they had something happen to that tire. I mean, clearly they've got mismatched other ones. Something happened to that tire, and they just went into the local tire place and just had a new tire. And they didn't think about it, and the person putting it on didn't think about it. Nobody actually stopped to go, where is this tire going on the car? Person mounted tire to rim, rim was put on car. Nobody actually thought about it in a global sense. And they're probably an owner that doesn't think about it. But I think this is a note situation. A note? I don't think you you alert them in person because you don't know who you're going to get. Oh, a note. I think you just leave a note that just says, I happen to notice this tire is is spinning the wrong direction. It's the opposite of its directional arrows, and that will make it wear out faster 
just so you're aware. Hmm. Maybe as long as you preface it with, hi, my name is fill in name. I am a super obsessive car freak, and I happen to look at tires like most people look at, you know, your fashion. <laughs> Don't leave your name, but I like the super obsessive t- car I freak. I just yes. happened to notice, yes. blah, 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 yes. and I couldn't help just wondering on your behalf. I didn't, you know, want you to overspend your money, and I wanted you to inform your want tire you to, shop I want you to be safe. people yes. that they did it wrong, mm-hmm. and your safety is my highest priority. <laughs> Sincerely. Fill in name. Your note will vary. Uh, you know, this also, this touches against that great ad campaign going on right now that is the Don't Be Your Parents ad campaign. The, <laughs> you don't know him. So funny. You don't know him. It, 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 it borders on that. I'll see it. I don't, <laughs> blue hair. I don't think you're obligated, but I, I understand because I feel the same way. I understand if you see something, because ultimately what this is about is this can be dangerous. If you go charging up to the person asking them, who is it your tire shop? No, no, no. I mean, the fact, a... that, the fact that the tire's on spinning oh, in the wrong direction can be dangerous. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that's worthwhile. It's the same thing as saying to somebody, by the way, you drove away with the fuel pump still on the side of your car. Are you being a jerk? That's the next level up. That is the next level up. But you see my point. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with this because it is a... It, it, I see it as a safety issue, but you got to be really careful how you approach it. Don't walk up to that person and tell them about their tire. I don't think anybody's going to take that well. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine the stories. What else do you have on here? Uh, <laughs> R.I. Brian on Instagram. I, I'm not sure if this is a real question, but I like it. What is the best Lamborghini for a current Tesla owner? Asking for a friend. Sure. Are you asking for a friend? And is this a legitimate question? But it but it has it's rattling around in my brain so much I have to I have to touch it. I have to go there. Okay. The prices aren't nearly the same, but you know the first thing that jumped to my brain? Lamborghini um, Urus. You think the Urus? The Ur- Urus. If, if you're driving a Model X you need and you want to go Lamborghini, you get okay. an Urus. Okay. It's an SUV, it's crazy powerful. It isn't actually all that SUV usable. It's checking all the same boxes mm-hmm. with a big Lamborghini engine and, and snarl about it. I don't think the Lamborghini Urus makes any sense, frankly, but I think you, I can see the correlation there. Plus, it's probably about four times more expensive than the Tesla, but you're just asking about best Lamborghini. So we're in crazy <laughs> see, prices either way. X. What we need to do is have you know Tesla models on one side, Lamborghini on the other, and <laughs> draw a line connecting the best They're, models to the... You remember those as a kid, right? The goes to the Mira. The Model S goes to the <laughs> concept car that Lamborghini I think did. there's almost no correlation here between the two, but that was the best huh. I could do. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. Good one here. We've touched on this before. Nor- Noah Borlius 03 is asking, this. if we could explain why it's bad to have a nicer car than your boss in the business world. This is coming from someone who is not in the business world, but okay. why okay. is that a bad thing? Well, you've heard my airplane story when my dad was in the airplane, the aviation insurance mm-hmm. business, and he would pull up. He drove the first generation Volvo S80 mm-hmm. and pulled up calling on people to ask them who was their insurance agent yeah. or just you know, saying, hey, I want to you know, connect and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And they would look at him and look at that Volvo like, Ugh, super you know, rich Oh, I'm overpaying my insurance guy. It's so crazy that the Volvo had that A impression. Volvo S80. Yeah, yeah. But if he were to fly in to that little private airstrip or the airport, this is all in Colorado. So if yeah, he flew yeah. into Centennial or Jeffco or any of those airports mm-hmm. in his little plane that cost way more than a Volvo S80. Sure it did. He's one of the boys. Mm. It's all about perception. It is. 
And so if you drive, we'll say an eighties Porsche to most people that just looks still like it did then to their eye. It looks like, wow, are you a drug dealer? (laughs) What do you do? Yeah. But you might've gotten it for $19,000 or something like that. It really depends on if you're, you know, able to talk to your boss about this, Mm -hmm. but sometimes the boss doesn't drive a nicer car because the boss is are putting all their money into running their business and building up the business. Or they spend their money on something else. They have a different hole that their money gets thrown down. (laughs) Might be a bigger hole. Yeah, it might be. They may have a yacht, but they drive a (laughs) Honda Accord. It's all relative. It is. They might might not care. But it's just perception. It depends on each business. It depends Mm -hmm. on many things. In some cases, you want to have a nice car. You want to have a nice place to have your, your real estate clients in, to drive them around in. Mm-hmm. You want to have a nice car. That's yeah, part yeah. of the deal. You've got to have something important, you know, very nice. So, like I said, it's it's not a general blanket statement here, but it's that perception, well, you're spending all your money on your car. Okay. Well, th- but there are businesses where uh, it's, not, it's not official, but there are businesses where there is a uniform and a lifestyle you must adhere to. Everybody dresses in this quality of suit. Everybody wears these kind of shoes and this kind of watch and drives this kind of car. True. And in those businesses, if you go against the norm, you are waving a big flag above your head by, I'm doing it different. And depending upon who your supervisors are, they may not like that because that can seem like you're not a team player or you don't understand the business. Mm-hmm. I, I am not justifying anything I'm saying because I think it's ridiculous. But you're right. It exists. But this exists. Absolutely okay? it does. And the problem is that sometimes you get a person that runs a company who they have a nice car but not an incredibly nice car, and they're making more than everyone at the company. Mm-hmm. And if you pull in in a nicer car than the boss, the instant assumption from non-car people is, why do you get paid so much? Yeah, right. How can you afford a nicer car than the boss? He's supposed to get paid more. You clearly are getting paid too much. But that's making the assumption that everybody spends their money on the same stuff. And it also makes the assumption that you didn't get a great deal on your used Porsche. And you park next to the guy in the brand new pickup that cost $90,000 and your Porsche cost thirty. Yeah. Yeah. This is it's a massive perception issue and it really is business by business sometimes company by company I hate that it exists but it absolutely does. So the solution here is to buy a Ram TRX because I guarantee it'll be faster. <laughs> Nobody's going to ask. <laughs> you can take it off road, you can jump the thing, you could probably drive over everyone else's car. Yeah. And nobody will think it cost $87,000. But I'll I'll go you one while we're here. When I was working for other people as an editor, mm-hmm. TV commercials, TV shows, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, financially, I was probably middle of the company. Sure. Okay. And I drove my Lotus to work. Yeah. I always got into conversations the days I drove my Lotus to work. Now, luckily, the company I worked at was less than 20 people, small enough that they all knew what a car person I was, and they knew I was already doing this show. Sure. So that bridged a lot of gaps. But almost to a person, when clients would show up, they would see that Lotus parked out front and walk in and be like, hey, who has the exotic car? And now the weird long-haired editor has to step out and be like, oh, that's mine. And I yeah. know in some, yeah. some, some clients were fine with it. Some clients really looked, looked at me and looked at the company kind of like, how much are we paying you? Mm-hmm. How is it you have that? 
because to people's eyes, it looks so exotic and exactly. crazy, and you're going, wait, no, let me explain. What I enjoyed Come is back. the fact that it was an open door to talk about this show, and then it started to make sense. But the initial walk in the door was, what's going on here? Pickup trucks have screwed that up for everybody. <laughs> $90,000 pickup trucks, and you'd like, yep, it's a pickup. And yeah. 90 grand! Well, but, some, but, they've avo- but they've avoided that perception from most people. Mm-hmm. You, can sit at, you can sit at a gas station in a brand new pickup that costs $70,000. Not hard to find a truck that costs $70,000. Right. Really not difficult. Right. $70,000 next to somebody, we've already said it, in a $30,000 sports car. Okay, I'll go this way, a Miata RF. Okay, fair enough. The typical person looks at the big dually pickup next to the Miata, RF, Miata, and they assume that the Miata is the frivolous purchase. That was really expensive. And I'm looking across the pumps going, do you know what that truck costs? Close to hundred grand. Well, it's back to our sports car discussion about you shouldn't have that. No, you shouldn't have Why that. Why do you have that you car? You shouldn't have that. It's Don't going have to that. name the litany of reasons. You're <laughs> going to get killed. You can't have that. It's too flashy. It doesn't suit you. Sports car. If if anybody has said any of those things to you, congratulations. You, you have, have a sports, sports car. car. Yeah, exactly. Please get it in a color. A Burgess 144 asks if either of us have done a track day on a motorcycle. He's personally done quite a few, he says, but never in a car. No, as a matter of fact, when I was 25, I did the entire motorcycle training in a rider safety course and started riding because I was working for Kawasaki at the time. And I think I even brought bikes. I brought bikes over to show you. Yes, you did. Then over to your, yeah, for sure. your place and showed you whatever bike I was riding. And they were fun and I, they're wonderful. I like them. I love cars more. Never done one on a track day. It's really skeezy when you're passed at high speed by a kamikaze cyclist on the Nurburgring mm-hmm. who's dragging a knee and an elbow and going way faster than everybody. And you're just going, how are you alive? But unfortunately, you also see those guys in wrecks. I, we have not done this. We are not big bikers. We both have that experience. We've both left that. I, it would be interesting, I guess, in its own right. I don't know that's something I'm going to do, though. Yeah. S. Mulhern has a serious question. Do you see this? Did. He said, why are we jumping as a culture straight to electric cars? Mm. If we're talking about electric autonomous transportation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why can't it be vertical takeoff and landing aircraft of some kind, little flying pods that take us places? Why are we tied to the car? Theoretically here, I love this. Mm -hmm. I love it because it makes all kinds of sense. I'm going to go Star Wars. I'm going to lose you. Coruscant. What are you talking about? The city planet. There's all the flying lanes for traffic. Sure. You know, uh, Minority Report had cars that went up buildings because they were all going through tracks. Yeah, okay? That, that was pretty relate. cool as well. Yeah. I, 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 bringing you back. Thank you. The the thing about the flight stuff is everybody is playing with I have cre- I say everybody because I feel like I keep reading about new companies that have come up with their new flying pod that is electric powered. I think the difference here why this in mass hasn't been jumped to is because the general person understands the car. Mm-hmm. And they also understand that if a car stops working, they roll to a stop on and, the ground. And gravity, yes. So They're connected. There are – look, uh, there's plenty of aircraft out there that now have solved the this stopped working issue. They have automatic parachutes. They have ways they glide down. I get this, and I'm sure all of those features would be available in, a, in an electric flying pod. Mm-hmm. But you got to get past public perception of – I'm in the air. What if this stops working? 
And I think we have to get past that hurdle to get to this. And I think the hurdle right now is just gasoline to electric is a hurdle in and of itself. Gasoline to electric flying and you're not in charge, I think is a bridge too far for most people. <laughs> there, I've got an addendum here, and that is jet skis. Have you ever been out on a lake, warm summer day, everybody's on a jet ski, personal watercraft, and they're going every direction conceivable. There's no rules. Everybody's at full throttle, pinned, <laughs> going every which direction. Matter of time. And many times... There's close calls, sometimes accidents, but there's no rules. There's no license for a jet ski. For, for yeah. You just, here it is, yeah. pin the throttle with your thumb, goodbye. Yeah. Well, let me try this. And you see people throw themselves off. I've seen more stupidity with personal watercraft almost than motorcycles. The other problem with a jet ski is once you get off the throttle, they don't just stop. No, they don't. There's a lot of gliding through the water that's still happening. Everybody thinks, I'm going to jump that wake, and they're not thinking about, you know, 50 feet on the other side of that wake, what's going to happen? a beach. <laughs> or anything else. <laughs> exactly. So now compare that to aviation. Sure. I've been in, my dad's had two small planes. I've been in them many times. And I, when I would go flying with him, when he still used to fly, we were in Colorado and we would take off from an airport. And there's, of course, patterns uh-huh. to come in for landing. Sure. Yeah. But once you're in the air, those it was not uh, pressurized. So we're under mm-hmm. 12,000 feet. Yeah. And we're just cruising around. And we notice something off in the distance to our left, we'll say. <laughs> yes. We're both going, oh, what's that over there? Well, I don't know. Let's go check it out. Yeah. Be, you know, bank left. Of course. Let's go yeah, check yeah. it out. We're not looking for traffic. You're, you always want to be scanning, especially on a mm-hmm. VFR kind of a day. Mm-hmm. You always want to be scanning the horizon is what I was told. Because mm-hmm. if anything else is on the horizon, it's at your altitude. <laughs> Excellent point. That yes. is the whole mm-hmm. key to scan. The, don't look above. Don't look below. Scan the horizon because mm-hmm. they're on your same altitude. <laughs> if they're those above or below your, you. Those are your peers. You yes. ain't going to hit them. That's funny. It's really that easy. That's good. So we'd go over, check stuff out, and then we'd fly back. We'd turn back the other way. And, well, that's cool. Let's bank over the house. Let's go over our house. Let's fly over the house. Okay. <laughs> Imagine that now with... The general aviation public, but uh-huh. a, a whole new class of jet skis in the air. <laughs> Everybody's going every which direction. Yeah. Do we want sure. that yet? Flight la- Do- There'd be flight lanes, but you're right. There's there's a lot of unknown that still happens. Yeah. There's there's a lot. Are, are there traffic lanes in the sky? For commercial aircraft, there certainly are. Yeah. Especially if you do a flight following. You know, you're, you're planning your route. You're going to be at a certain altitude. Yeah. But for the general public, for new aircraft like... The ones being developed by Archer.com. This is sort of like, well, let's just take off and go. Let's just figure it out. Yeah. It's literally, to me, like jet skis in the air. Can you imagine? Pointed in a direction. I just thought about this. Can you imagine what? parking? Even no. if Even if they had flight lanes, can you imagine when everybody gets to a downtown area and they all need to park at a different parking garage, crisscrossed across the entire downtown area? That there's your jet ski moment there. Well, my wings fold. Well, my wings don't. I need more space. <laughs> that I need that charger. We're gonna all whine. We're we're all just children. Honestly, we are. Donegal Day is asking. Well, he's hearing a lot of whining from all the car reviewers. Apparently, about increased ride height and how unnatural it is. But have all the motor journalists forgotten that cars have only been around a hundred plus years? Before that, humanity was on horses or in carriages well higher than most cars, and apart from the new Tahoe or a big rig. 
Even before that, we were on foot, also much higher than the SUV seat heights. And he loves low, fast cars as much as the next person, but, and caning his GTI down a canyon road, but perhaps not everyone wants to drive at highway speeds at pool deck chair height. I was thinking more like lifeguard tower height, but, you know. Oh, but pool deck chair is the low car. That's what he's saying. The deck chair is the low car, but yeah, everybody else is on the lifeguard tower driving around Mm -hmm. in their $90,000 lifeguard tower. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let that sink in. I like that. That's good. (laughs) So, yes, you're right. Early cars, like those Cadillacs and Packards and Buicks and Chevys, you sat up way high, like modern SUVs. The proportion of door body Mm -hmm. height Mm -hmm. to glass greenhouse height is much like today's SUVs and CUVs. And the wheels were like wagon wheels. They were even bigger, yes. So that is something that people were used to. But then car manufacturers figured out that, hey, lower, lighter, center of gravity, lower to the ground, makes for a better handling sports car. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, the, the split happened from there. I don't think it's whining necessarily. It's car journalists are... A, an interesting bunch. We like to complain. We, we, do we like get to paid complain. to complain, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. We're always looking for the the right recipe. And that's why Todd and I really try to drive a car thinking, does it check the boxes for the market it, w- it was intended? Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't handle like a Cayman or a no. Lotus. Yeah. We don't care. Sure. We're driving it with you in mind. We're thinking, all right. Well, this actually has a little bit of precision there. Well, that's kind of fun. Does it accomplish what it set out to do? Exactly. And then in that category, where does it stand? Mm -hmm. That's always our headspace. And that's, you know, where we're coming from. But, you know, we're always looking at features. And cars have to evolve. They have to change because they fit the times. Like, you know, the things that we're talking about, they've got to evolve with the tech. Yeah. This is the manual transmission discussion in another way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, We miss the thing we're used to having. Nobody can argue that a manual transmission can keep up with a modern dual clutch. It's not; po- it's physically not possible. Okay, but we miss the man. I, I love the manual transmission. We miss the thing we used to have that we're used to engaging with. Right. right. I'm sure there were those people that didn't like when cars got lower. I'm sure there were those people. They're sure. getting higher again. Sure. We miss the small stuff. I, I see how it happens. Last question for me from Boulder's 2021, asking if we think Chrysler and Dodge will exist as separate makes in five years. No, I don't. <laughs> Do we think Stellantis is Stellantis in five years? Oh, that's even better. I don't know mm. on that. The TDD. Stellantians may have changed planets and gone somewhere else. We'll see. <laughs> They've discovered all the electric aircraft in the sky. There you go. That's their Stellantis way. is an electric aircraft company now that I think about it. They just, they're just <laughs> oh, they just man. way ahead of their time. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Keep asking. We're looking forward to more. Really appreciate it. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everyone.